0: Faithful Filipino valet Cato, Britt Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with racketeers and saboteurs. Risking his life that criminals and enemy spies will feel the weight of the law by the sting of the Green Hornet. Ride with Brit Reed in the thrilling adventure Too Many Suspects. The Green Hornet strikes again. Mrs. Sylvester Kilburn, wealthy society matron, was a domineering, sharp-tongued woman who ran her household and the people in it with an iron hand. Her 18-year-old daughter, Gloria, was blonde, beautiful, and self-willed. Resentment against her mother's dominance had grown into open rebellion one particular afternoon as the two women stood facing each other in the living room of the Kilburn home.
1: The very idea, you, a Kilburn, having your name connected with a nobody like that Bob Forrest. I won't have it, Gloria. My daughter, hobnobbing with a, a common musician. There's nothing common about him. He plays with a name band, and someday he'll have his own band. What right have you to talk like that about Bob when you've never even met him? I have every right to protect our social position. Imagine what my friends will say when they read that gossip column and see my daughter's name linked with his. At least when I married your father, he did have a social background. Yes, I know. But he didn't have the money you thought should go with it. And you've pounded that into his ears ever since. Until he grew to hate you. Gloria! Well, it's true, and you know it. You drove him out to live at the club. And you haven't the decency to give him his freedom. All you think about is what will your so-called friends say. Stop it! Stop it this minute! How dare you talk to me that way! No one has ever dared do anything around here except yourself, Mother. It's about time one of us had a little spunk. Spunk? Even your language is becoming common... Since you've taken up a dad... you've said enough about Bob. I won't listen to any more. Gloria, I'm not going to sit by and see you throw yourself away on a fortune hunter. Bob's not a fortune hunter. Time will tell, my dear. Perhaps if you thought you'd be cut off without a penny if you married him, he'd give you up. I should have expected a threat like that from you. But go right ahead. As a matter of fact, Bob resents my money, as he calls it. Oh. Gloria, be reasonable. You know, dear, it's because I have your interest at heart that I've talked to you like this. Really. I'm deeply touched. You can be sarcastic about it if you like. But perhaps I'll have direct proof that that forest person is after your money. Proof? What do you mean? Unless, of course, you fear the result. I'm going to send for the young musician and have him come here. I shall offer him a large sum in cash to give you up. Mother, that would be the most insulting... Personally, my dear, I don't believe he would be insulted at all. I'm quite convinced Bob Forrest would accept the cash. For which, of course, I demand a written receipt to show you. Bob wouldn't take a cent from you. And if you think for one moment I'd let him come to be insulted... (laughs) I knew you'd be afraid to have him put to such a test, my dear. Oh. Is that so? Well, go ahead and send for him. But you might be sorry sorry yes because i know what his answer will be of course you'll give him up if he takes the cash and leaves a receipt that goes without saying oh very well gloria now you run along to shirley's tea perhaps when you come back i'll have proof of just what kind of a person bob Forrest really is
0: Meantime, Britt Reed, young publisher of the Daily Sentinel, finished lunch at the Civic Club and went into the reading room. Sylvester Kilburn looked up from the paper he was reading, then rose as Britt entered.
2: Oh, hello, Britt. Haven't seen you for some time.
0: How are you, Sylvester? Why, uh, you look a little out of sorts. Anything wrong?
2: Plenty. I'm living at the club now, you know.
0: No, I didn't know.
2: Yes, I am through with Agnes for good. I'm sorry to hear it. Oh, nothing to be sorry about. Nobody can live with that woman. She grows more hateful every day.
0: Well, now, perhaps at the moment you're upset, Sylvester. After you've had time with... Oh,
2: come out of it, Britt. You know as well as everybody else what Agnes is like. Even now, as much as we hate each other, she refuses to give me my freedom. Won't even see me. I understand. But I'm not going to take it sitting down. Going over there this afternoon and make her agree to a divorce... Well, I wish you luck. Don't worry. She's dominated me long enough. Before I leave there this afternoon, I'll get her to agree one way or another.
0: Later that afternoon, Mrs. Kilburn sat at her desk in the library, going over her social mail. She felt quite satisfied with herself and smiled as she thought of the manner in which she was breaking up her daughter's romance with young Forrest. Suddenly, she raised her head and listened. She turned quickly and looked toward the long French windows but saw no one. But the smile left her face and she became nervous. Then, another sound broke the stillness.
1: Sounded like the front door. Perhaps Parker getting the late mail... Though he didn't answer my ring a while ago...
0: Mrs. Kilburn quieted her nerves with this thought... and again turned her attention to the letters before her. She failed to hear the door open... but the faint click of the latch as it closed... caused her to look up,
3: startled.
1: <gasps> oh, heavens! Must you startle me out of my wits by sneaking in like that? Why do you come in here like this? Well?
0: The intruder stood, staring, saying nothing an icy chill came over the woman seated at the desk. She rose to her feet.
1: If you have anything to say to me, please say it and leave. I'm busy. I... What on earth is the matter with you?
0: The silent figure moved slowly forward. Mrs. Kilburn tried to move away, but her muscles seemed frozen. She felt a great fear. Fear of this person before her, whom she had treated with contempt up to a short time before.
1: Get out of here, I say. Stop the play-acting and... You have a gun. Why have you come here like this? Uh. Answer me, do you hear? Stay back! Stay back, I say! Don't come any closer! You don't know what you're doing! I won't let you, I...
0: (laughs) It was almost six o'clock when Axford, a reporter on the Daily Sentinel entered Britt Reid's outer office, where Lenore Casey was busy at her desk.
2: Hey, Casey! Oh, it's
4: you again.
3: In again, out again, expert.
2: Sure, and I couldn't come in again if I didn't go out again now, could I? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you're quite witty, aren't
2: you? Sure, and if you were just half as witty as I am... I know, Zion, I know. Uh,
1: I'd be a half-wit.
2: <laughs> I've heard that one before. <laughs> uh, I'm wasting me time standing here trying to carry on an intelligent conversation with the likes of you, Casey. <laughs> I'm going to see Reed. He always appreciates me, Thoughts. That he does. Hi, hey, Reed.
0: Come I in if you have something on your mind. But well, don't waste my time with a lot of small talk, <laughs> Ah, shut up! Expert,
2: did you just tell me? Oh, I... no, no, Reed. It was to Casey I was talking, not <laughs> to you. <laughs> I wondered. No, Reed, you know I would never say Skip anything. It. What's new at police headquarters? Well, not much, Reed. The cops nabbed a bookie, and there was a brawl in a cafe. Sard says if anything important comes in, he'll call me. I see.
0: Axford, the last few days, you haven't brought in anything. Into... Hello? Oh, yes, he's right here. Just a moment. For you, Axford?
2: Ah. Hello? Oh, it's you, Sarge. Uh, go ahead. What? Where? When? All right, all right. But who was it? Who? Suffering snake, Sarge. I'll be right down. Wait for me. So long. Uh, holy crow, Reed. Now we're really getting some news. I told you if anything came in. Expert! In fact, uh, oh, 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 yeah. Reed, Sarge says there's been a murder. That there was. Who's been murdered? Reed, you'd never guess. It is that swell society dame over on Parkstone Avenue, Mrs. Sylvester Kilburn. <laughs>
0: A short time later, Axford listened as Sergeant Burke questioned two members of the household in the large entrance hall of the Kilburn home. One was Gloria Kilburn. The other was Parker, the houseman. Now, Miss Kilburn,
2: you first. I want you to tell me exactly what happened.
1: I... I went to a tea this afternoon. Returned home shortly before six. As I unlocked the front door and entered, I, I heard a shot from the library. I... I...
2: Sure, sure, I know. Then what?
1: I ran in and opened the library door. Then I saw... saw my mother.
2: Did you notice anything else?
1: Not... not then. While I stood there in the doorway, I heard someone coming in the front door. So, so I ran out and met Parker. He's the house man, you know. Yeah, I know that. I told him what happened. We went into the library together. The French window stood open, and Parker suggested we call the police right away. That's all I know.
2: That'll do for now. You there, what's your name?
3: Uh, Parker Down, sir. I work here as houseman, as Miss Kilburn just told you.
2: Sure, I heard her. What do you know about this?
3: Well, nothing directly, sir. I was out most of the afternoon. You're the only servant in the place? No, no, there's also a cook. But she's off on Thursday, sir. Both of you are off on Thursdays then. Is that it? Well, not exactly, sir. You see, early this afternoon, Miss Gloria and her mother had quite an argument. Parker! Quiet, Miss Kilburn. Go on, Parker. What about? Over Miss Gloria's boyfriend. I I couldn't help it
2: over here. You sneak. You were listening outside. Here, the... here. You can't butt in like that or I'll have one of the men take you out of the room. Who's the boyfriend? Why were they arguing?
3: Well, sir, his name is Bob Forrest. I understand he's a musician. The madam demanded that Miss Gloria give him up. When she refused, Mrs. Kilbourne said she was going to see him here later this afternoon and try to... Uh, Well, buy him off with
2: cash. Is that true, Miss Kilburn?
1: Yes. Yes, it's true. But what has that to do with my mother? We'll come to
2: that later. Now, about you being out. Oh, Oh, yes.
3: Well, after Miss Gloria left for the tea, her mother told me to get the car. We drove to the bank, and when we came back, she told me I could take off the rest of the afternoon. Did she say why? She said she expected a young man to come here with whom she wanted to talk privately. I see. Also, she said she expected her husband to call. Uh, he hasn't been living at home.
2: Hmm.
3: Not getting along, eh? Yeah? Oh, decidedly not, sir.
2: Hey, Sarge. Did you find any money in there?
3: Quiet, Axford. Anything else to say, Parker? I might say the madam threatened this afternoon to. to cut Miss Gloria out of her will.
1: Parker, if you're trying to hint that I. I fired that. Here now, because... Miss Kilburn.
2: Nobody's accusing you. Not yet, at any rate. Either one of them other two might have fired that shot just as you came in, then beat it out the window.
1: No, no. Neither Dad nor Bob would do such a Somebody thing. Somebody did,
2: miss. Inspector will be here soon. We'll have the coroner's report by that time. And while we're waiting, I'll have the boys pick up Kilburn and Young Forrest and bring them here.
0: We'll continue our Green Hornet adventure in just a moment. To continue our story. Later that evening, Axford returned to the Sentinel building and was talking to Britt Reed in his
2: office. It sure is a mixed-up case, Reed. Of course, the houseman is in the clear, but any one of the other three could have done it. What was the coroner's report, Axford? That's the funny thing, Reed. Miss Kilburn said she heard only one shot, but the coroner found two bullets in the corpse, one almost on top of the other. And added to that, he said the woman looked to him like she'd been dead almost two hours.
0: That would discount Gloria Kilburn's story that she heard a shot when she entered.
2: Of course, she has an alibi. having
0: gone to that tea.
2: Reed, they found out she left that tea affair around 4.30. She said she drove around in the park a while. I see. How about the other two? Well, her father swears he got to the house a little before four, and that Mrs. Kilburn refused to let him inside the house.
3: Well, that's interesting.
2: Yeah, and young Forrest says he went there after getting a phone call from her, and stayed about ten minutes. She tried to get him to take 20,000 bucks in cash to give up her daughter. That's a lot of money. Sure, but he says he refused, got sore, and left. That was about uh, 4.15 or so. Was the money still there? Nope, nary a trace of the cash nor the gun. Also, no fingerprints anywhere. Strange. What alibi does the houseman give? Oh, they checked up on his alibi. He went to a neighborhood movie. The cashier remembered him because he broke a $10 bill to get his ticket going in. And that was around 3 o'clock. Then, at 5.15, he called an usher to help him find his hat. They didn't find it, so the usher took his name and put down the time. it's a perfect alibi, all right. Yeah, that it is. The inspector has all of them under guard over at the house. But before long, I guess they'd be charging one of them with the murder. I sure feel sorry for that girl. Uh, Tell me one thing, Axford. How did they find out Kilburn went to the house? Did he come and tell them so? Nope. (laughs) They picked him up after the houseman said he heard Mrs. Kilburn say she expected her husband to visit her. I see. Well, Axford, the police certainly have enough suspects on hand.
0: Now all they have to do is to prove which one is the murderer. After talking to Axford at the office, Britt Reid went to his apartment, where Cato, his faithful Filipino valet, And the only person knowing his identity as the Green Hornet was waiting. Britt told Cato what facts he'd learned about the murder.
3: A houseman, only one who have a good alibi, Mr. Britt.
0: Yes. And the fact that Gloria Kilburn swears she got home first and heard a shot adds to it. It puts him in the clear with the police. You
3: intend to tell police of conversation with Kilburn at club?
0: Not yet, Cato. It wouldn't help him any right now. I'll wait for further developments. There's one point in my mind, though, that makes me suspicious of a particular person.
3: Well, the police would have to move cautiously in a case like this. But you think perhaps Green Hornet find a way to bring murderer to light quick, Mr. Britt? It's worth a try, Kato.
0: Come on, we'll take the Black Beauty and make certain plans on the way. Stepping through a secret panel in the rear of a closet in his bedroom, Britt Reed and Kato went along a narrow passageway built within the walls of the apartment itself. This passage led to an adjoining building, which fronted on a dark side street. Though supposedly abandoned, this building served as the hiding place for the sleek, super-powered Black Beauty, streamlined car of the Green Hornet. Britt Reed pressed a button. The great car roared into life. The section of the wall in front raised automatically, then closed, as the gleaming Black Beauty sped into the darkness. This is a good dark spot in which to leave the Black Beauty Cato. We'll cut across the back lawn of the house from here. Perhaps police watch us a bit. Axford said there was only one guard on duty. He was sitting in the big hall with the group. The inspector won't get back for more questioning until later, after they've done some outside checking. Come on. Moving cautiously, Britt Reed and Cato approached the house from the back. Leaving Cato for a moment, Rit circled the house, keeping to the shadows. Then he joined Cato at the back door. They're all in the hall, as Axford said. What you do now? First, I want to have a look in the kitchen. You wait here. I'll be right back. Using a skeleton key, Britt Reed unlocked the back door and disappeared into the kitchen of the Kilburn home. Cato waited with growing apprehension, but in a few minutes, he was relieved to see Britt coming out. Cato, I just checked on something that makes me sure the gun and the money are hidden in this house. How do you know that? I'll tell you later. Come on. I have a plan that may take the murderer to betray himself. Inside the house, Gloria Kilburn, sitting beside Bob Forrest on the Davenport in the large hall, looked across at the police guard and spoke.
1: Officer, how long do we have to wait like this? Don't
0: be long, miss. When the inspector comes back, he'll let you know what you can do about getting some rest. My orders are to keep all of
3: you here together for the time being. Oh,
1: this is all so horrible.
3: Don't, Gloria. We all feel bad enough as it is. Things will turn out all right.
2: Officer, I should think you'd at least let my daughter go to her room. This has been quite an ordeal for her. Sorry, sir. Orders
1: are orders.
3: After all, someone here did commit murder, you know, Miss Gloria.
1: Oh, you keep quiet, Parker. At least you have nothing to worry about.
3: The police haven't proven enough to make anyone worry, Miss Gloria. Too many suspects are worse than none at all. Nobody asked your opinion.
1: We'll
0: get the proof. Don't think we won't. May take a little time. What was that? It came from the living room. Now hold on now. We're all going together. Taking no chances with you. Come on. Go on in first. I'm keeping my gun handy.
2: Why, the lights were out in here. But now the lamp on the table is lit.
0: Hey, that's right. Look, they're on the table. A
2: note of
1: some kind. Let me see it.
0: What, what does it say? Holy mackerel. Listen. I found the murder gun in the dough keep the cash, but I might let the cops have the gun. What? And on the bottom's the seal of the Green Hornet. Oh! Green
1: Hornet?
3: Say,
0: maybe well, quiet, quiet, everybody. See.
1: I got a phone headquarters right away and tell them. You can use this phone on the table, officer.
0: Good. Wait till the inspector and Burke hear about this. Meantime, after forcing the French window into the library across the hall, Britt Reed and Cato crouched behind a corner screen in the darkened room, waiting...
3: Who do you think come in here, Mr. Britt? I hope that in the excitement, the murderer will. And I think I know who it will be. But if a hunch about gun and money not be right... I'm taking that chance. Quiet. I think I hear someone coming. He go to other end of room. He knows his way around in the dark. The flashlight, quick. Don't move, you. you're covered. What? You run for window. I'll get him with a good tackle. Oh, this will stop you, killer. He knocked out.
0: Yes, and he didn't have a chance to get at his gun or the money. It's in, inside that inside the large globe in the world. That's what he came in here for. The globe have small hinges along one side. Yes, it opens to put a light inside. Come on, the others are coming. They sure get surprised. Yes, and the murderer with the proof. Quick, let's go through that window. <laughs>
3: No murderer turned out to be a houseman, Mr. Britt.
0: Cato, Kilburn told me this noon that his wife refused to see him. Yet Parker told the police Mrs. Kilburn said she was expecting her husband. Well, how else? Uh, when the white signal shows in the service indicator in our kitchen, what's the first th- third thing you do before you answer the call?
3: I push a button to clear away signal first. Then I come quick.
0: Right. It's Second nature with experienced servants to clear the signal box before going to answer the call. Yet when I looked at the box in the Kilburn kitchen the signal was still set indicating a call
3: from the library. That showed Parker not have permission to leave for afternoon. Mrs. Kilburn rang for him but he not there.
0: Right again. And all the other little points will be cleared up when the police grill Parker. Step on it. We want to get home before Axford comes to break the news. The following morning, Axford and Sergeant Burke were in Britt Reed's office. Sergeant Burke, I must admit, I didn't think the police would clear up that murder so quickly.
2: Mr. Reed, from the way things looked last night, I was afraid we were never going to clear it up, to tell you the truth.
0: Well, I'm anxious to know what really happened, Sergeant.
2: That guy Parker thought he fixed himself up with an airtight alibi. But when we found him with the murder weapon, with his prints on it, and with the dough too, we got the truth out of him. Reed, he heard the argument that girl had with her mother, so he knew about the cash she was going to offer Bob Forrest. He went to the movie theater and bought a ticket, but didn't go in. He didn't? No, he went right back home and waited. He saw Kilburn try to get in, and that's how he knew he'd gone there. I see. He lied about her, telling him he could have time off, too. That's right. And I suppose he waited until Forrest left, then murdered Mrs. Kilburn and took the money. That's just what he did, Reed. Then he went back and went in the movies, sat a while, then made a fuss about his hat.
0: And that established his alibi.
2: It did. But he wasn't satisfied, was he, Sarge? Nope. Why do you say that? Parker planned to get home before the girl so as to get her implicated, too. You mean he shot another bullet into the corpse just
0: as she entered the house? Sure.
2: Then beat it out the window and went around to the front door. After hiding the gun and the money in the globe of the world that stood on a pedestal near the library desk.
0: And that houseman was a very
2: clever chap, Axford. Clever, he say? Yes. Don't you think so? Well, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> Expert thought all the time that the girl did it. No, Sarge, I didn't really think that.
0: I'd say Parker was clever up to a certain point.
2: <laughs> sure, that's what I was going to say. Uh, like fun you were. Well, anyway, that girl and that guy Forrest are relieved over the whole thing. As they should be, no doubt.
0: They have a lot to be thankful for. So was Kilburn. All three were on the spot in a way.
2: Sure, but it isn't the cops who got him off that spot, if you ask me. Who did, then? The Green Hornet, that's who. The Green Hornet? Well, he was mixed in it a bit, sir, Mr. Reed. (laughs) (laughs) No, Sarge, give the devil his due, says I. Didn't the Hornet grab that killer and make an offer at the door and Sure, but... And didn't he leave the murdering thief lying helpless for your man to pick up, along with the evidence? Okay, okay, expert, maybe he did. But give us police a little credit. We got a confession from Parker. The police did a good
0: job, Sergeant.
2: Sure, but without the harness button in, they'd still have too many suspects to my way of thinking. That harness the clever one, if you ask me, Reed. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm sure he's no cleverer than I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen to that, would you? <laughs> Let's hope the harness never sets out to get you, Reed.
0: <laughs> Expert, you can think of the most impossible things. <laughs> Copyright of dramas originate in the studios of WXYZ, Detroit. All characters, names, places, and incidents are fictitious. Bill Morgan speaking. This is the American Broadcasting Company.